Hey friend, thanks for checking out the Crosspoint Church podcast. It's our hope that these messages will encourage you to grow and thrive in your relationship with Christ. You can find more like this at thecrosspoint.com. Thank you for your kindness to one another, your love for each other. It uh, makes me just proud to be able to, to serve with you. I thank you for the 101 bags of food this morning that you brought. We partner not only among us, but with other organizations and ministries around the city like Feed My People, which those bags will go to help people who find themselves in the middle of a difficult season. We've all been there. We know what it feels like. It's not a happy place. But perhaps we can lighten the load for someone uh, in the next few weeks by your gifts, by your love to them. We're in a series called Body and Soul. We're looking at Paul's letter. Paul the Apostle wrote to a group of believers in Asia Minor called Colossae. We're looking at that to see what God would have to say to us. We're going to be in chapter 3 this morning. I'd love for you to get your copy of God's Word if you have it on your phone uh, or some other way of following along with us. Now, before we dive in, I just want to kind of introduce what we're talking about today. And I was thinking about how in a few weeks we will have daylight savings time. Yeah, I expected that kind of response. I know that some of you are, you're down on that. I've got a friend who refuses to change his clocks. He just says, because I'm going to have to give that hour back in the spring, I might as well just not turn it back, turn it back, 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 yeah, yeah, fall back, spring forward. And the reason is because it kind of messes with you for a few days. There's this lag between the old time and the new time. It happens to me when I travel sometimes and go to, uh, you know, somewhere across the world and there's this thing called jet lag. Why is it called jet lag? It's called jet lag because your body gets there, but the rest of you doesn't get there. It lags behind. And my wife and I have this little discussion a couple days in to the new time zone, and and I'll say, you know what, I'm just kind of tired, I'm going to go to bed. And she says, but it's only 5.30 p.m. I know, I said, but but in St. Louis right now, it's 11 o'clock. And she says, but we aren't in St. Louis. And she's right. But there is this, this lag that you feel behind you of, of your tail kind of catching up to the, to the rest of your body. I think we sometimes do that with the God life in that there, are, there is something that happens to us if you're a believer in Christ that is your new reality, but it sometimes feels like there's part of you you left behind that doesn't quite catch up. Second Thessalonians 5 and 17, those of you that know the scriptures, you know what Paul says there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become New. What is he saying? He's saying something happened to you. You became a new creation in Christ. 
But there is this tension between who you were and who you are now. As we've been looking at Colossians, we've said how in chapter one and chapter two that Paul says, I want you to know you have a new identity. You are in Christ. You are with Christ. However, he says sometimes, and I'm paraphrasing what, where we've been, chapters one and two, sometimes you get caught behind in the past with who you used to be. So stay rooted in your identity. That's what we looked at last time. So when we get to chapter three, he's gonna tell us about how to do this. This tension between who we were and who we are now in Christ. He says in chapter three, verses one and two, if then you have been raised with Christ, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Continuing in verse three, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he says, this is who you were, this is what's happening now, and this is what will happen in the future. Reminds me of some wisdom from Toby Keith. Yeah, you didn't know I was gonna quote Toby Keith today. A Little bit of country music, any country music lovers? So the story goes that Toby Keith was sitting in a golf court, a golf course, on a golf cart with Clint Eastwood. Really happened. So Toby Keith is talking with Clint Eastwood and he's asking him, he said, how is it that you are, I guess at that point he was about 90 years old, he says, how is it that you are still directing movies, you're still acting, still doing all these things? And Clint Eastwood looked at him and he said, I don't let the old man in. I don't let the old man in. So Toby Keith went away and began to write these words. Don't let the old man in. I wanna live me some more. Can't leave it up to him. He's knocking on my door and I knew all of my life that someday it would end. I get up and I go outside. I don't let the old man in. I don't think that Clint or Toby were thinking about this verse today when they wrote this, but it applies because he says in verse three, for you have died. What died? Old man, old woman. And your life, that is your new life, is hidden with Christ in God. In other words, Paul is saying there is a past reality, a present reality, and a future reality. All right here in these four verses. Your past reality is this. You died and you are raised with Christ. That's what we celebrate at water baptism. We 
die to the old man, the old self. We believe that the old man of sin in Christ is crucified with Christ. We are buried with him. So we bury people in that tank up there as we did last week and la- uh, on Wednesday and we'll do again in the next week or so. Why do we do that? And by the way, friends, at Crosspoint Church, we don't just put them under the water, we bring them back up. That's why all of our pastors work out. What is the symbol? The symbol is that somebody died, but you are rising a new person in Christ. Well, I don't feel any new, anything new. Well, this is a faith journey that the pa- in the past we were buried, were raised with Christ, but then he says your present reality is this, is that your life is hidden in Christ. What life? Who you really are. I'm talking about believers. If you're a follower in G- with Jesus, then you are buried with Christ, but your present reality is that you are hidden in Christ. So my, my new reality is that part of me that you can't see is hidden. That there's something about a Christian that sort of seems mysterious and hidden because it is. And that's why some people don't get it. They look at us and go, y'all are crazy. No, we're just from a different world. We're resident aliens. We are people who have been raised with Christ, a part of a new kingdom, a new era has been born in our life. This is our reality, our present reality, but like a tree has roots underground, there are things that you can't see that are yet to be revealed. So, so that's why some people look and they say, how is it that you're still joyful in your current suffering? I mean, you just lost your wife to cancer or you just lost your job or you are currently suffering right now in some way and yet you are buoyant, yet there's something about you that I just go, I don't know how it is you're still standing. It's because my life is hidden in Christ. And the people that I see in our our church community that are living that way, that show this strength. And you go, where is that coming from? It's coming from the roots where I'm hidden in Christ. But that's not all. He says there is a future reality. And what is the future reality? I'm glad you asked. Let's go back to verses three and four. Would you help me there? Yeah, for you have died, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, who's gonna show up? You are, we are. Those who are in Christ will also appear with him in glory. That means that the real you who is in Christ will also be unveiled, will be shown for what it is. So just like Somebody finally found out that Clark Kent was not just some average reporter, it was actually the man of steel. At some point he was unveiled and that you and I in Christ will be revealed 
for who we are in Christ. So, so Paul says, since this is your reality, since this is true, something should change. That means that we have to, with our heart and our mind, which are not born again, the real you, the real heart of us is born again, but we need to do something with it. We need to seek the things above. We need to set our minds on things above because it naturally wants to go earthy. But therein is the tension, this jet lag, that I have been raised with Christ, but my mind hasn't been raised with Christ. I am hidden with Christ, but then there's the old man that is not hidden in Christ. And instead of living like Jesus is king and eternity is long, I, I live like I'm king. And I live like eternity is short and this life is long. And I live in that tension because I, I live in this split division between who I am but who I was reminds me of getting on an elevator. I've been in those moments, you have too, where you're on the elevator, the door opens, and someone's standing there, and they're trying to decide, is this going up? Is it going down? And they've got somebody lollygagging behind them. Y'all know what lollygagging is? It's a southern word for meaning you're a pokey person. Somebody's behind you and say, can you wait just a minute? And, and you're holding the door and you're in a hurry and the door's about to close and you're, you're like, are you going up? Well, I'm trying to see, I'm trying to figure it out. Do I, do I go up? And just like, get on the elevator. You don't say that because you're a Christian. <laughs> but you think it because they're trying to make up their mind and this is sort of what Paul is saying, he's saying that Jesus is saying, I'm going up, are you going with me or not? Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above because Jesus is king and eternity, get this, is long. But we don't think like that because we, we live on the earth and, and we forget where we're going. So Paul says, uh, this is the way that you're, you're going to move forward, that you're gonna flourish, that you're gonna become the new person that God has called you to be. Seek the things that are above. So he says, how are you gonna do it? I'm saying, how am I gonna do this? He says, here's how you do it. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you? The old man, put it to death. What does that mean? It means steal the power of it, subdue it, cut it off. What is earthly in us? What pertains to the old you, the old man? Sexual immorality starts there. The, word, the Greek word is porneia, which has to do with obviously where we get the word porn. So he's gonna say everything that has to do with sex outside of the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman is sexual promiscuity. 
and not to be graphic, but just to spell it out because our world doesn't seem to be able to understand the difference. That means any kind of sexualized relationship apart from a man and a woman in covenant together who say, I do, before God and witnesses is promiscuous. That includes fornication, sex outside of marriage, sex pre-marriage. It includes gay sex. It includes orgies. It includes pornography. Put it to death, he says. That's part of the you that you used to be. And he continues, not only that, but impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, and really all those things, you could link them together. And he says all of this is idolatry. It's placing sex above your relationship with God. And God says, I'm number one, I'm king of your life and also of your body. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming, he says, in these you two once walked, so he's, he's not saying, hey, all you guys were awesome before you met Jesus. No, all of you guys were sinners before you met Jesus. We're born in sin. None of us come to God with a, something to boast of in our pedigree to say, oh, God goes, oh, man, you're awesome. No, God loved you in spite of who you were. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming, but now you must put them all away not only those things, because I think Paul hears us because we go, check, got that, yep, sex, evil, evil desires, passion, lust, ah, yeah, I'm good, no idolatry, I'm not bound before any idol, but he says, now you must put these also away. So it's gonna hit everybody in the room this morning. Put what away? Anger. I think you guys know what that is. Do I need to spell it out for you? Wrath, that's when anger boils up. Malice, that's called getting back at somebody. Oh, nobody does that in this world we live in. They don't get back at anybody. There's no canceling going on. Slander, that's called Facebook rants. That's what that is. It's like canceling somebody, getting back at somebody publicly in a way to disparage them, pull them down. Obscene talk, put it all away from you. This belongs to your former life. So, so Paul is listing all these because I think we tend to categorize. We say, well, I don't do this, but yeah, I've got this little issue over here. No, it's called sin. Anything that we put above our relationship with God says put it all away. Why? Because Jesus is king and eternity is long. So die to these earthly desires because it doesn't have to do with where you're going. I know someone in the room, perhaps somebody watching, you go, there you guys go again, you Christians. Just sounds repressive to me. Saying no to your desires, that can't be good. That's harmful to say no to your desires because uh, you should be able to do whatever you want. Well, let me, let's just, let's take that path for just a minute. So at what point do you say no to yourself? You're saying every desire is good? Like, like anger? It's always good? 
When you get mad, you deserve, do you always deserve to be angry? Come on, can we talk? I mean, is there a point where anger becomes something that actually hurts other people? When someone takes a gun and goes into McDonald's or into the post office, hey, that's what they want to do. There's a point where we understand it's good to say no to yourself. So Paul says, there is a life that leads to death and there is a death that leads to life. Actually saying some no's to yourself. I know the world says, hey, you only live once, do what you wanna do, but we all know that ain't true. That if you do that, you're gonna make a lot of enemies in your life. So there is, a, there is, even psychologists will tell us that dying to some things is a good thing. For example, let's say a 98 year old, not 98 years old, a 98 pound 17 year old comes into the psychologist's office and says, I, I'm coming because I'm obese. I feel obese. And so I feel like I need liposuction and I need to go on a diet. That psychologist, if she or he is worth anything, they're gonna say, I know this is the way you feel. This might be your desires, but you need to understand your desires are killing you. And the way you feel is not healthy and good. So that therapist will help them see this is not who you are. Don't continue down this road. I know you feel this way, but say no. And we'll begin to help them with hopefully some cognitive behavioral therapy to help them understand you've gotta change the way you're thinking about your life. You turn this up to 10 and you kinda get the idea of what Paul is saying when he says put to death these things because they are killing you. But sometimes when you say no to yourself, you feel like you're dying. It's because you are. (laughs) So I was sitting in my office a couple years ago and it was the end of the day and I was counseling someone and I was sitting in my chair and suddenly I start sweating and my heart starts pounding. And my mind tells me, you're having a heart attack. So Becky happens to be in the office. She comes in and I said, babe, you need to, I think we need to go to the hospital. She starts asking me my symptoms. I said, well, I I did what any good smart person does. I got on Google. (laughs) And I was looking up symptoms of heart attacks. Heart pounding, sweating, yep, yep, yep. Heavy chest, yeah, I think it's heavy. Uh, uh, tingling in your left arm, yeah, well, it's my right arm, but it's probably, maybe it is my left too. And, and then, um, uh, uh, yeah, did you, do, you feel, do you feel like a cold sweat? Yeah, I'm feeling a cold sweat. And before, I, I, had suddenly, I had suddenly determined, I had diagnosed myself, I'm having a heart attack. So we go to the hospital and check into ER and they do all kinds of tests and, and all kinds of EKGs and that stair thing that you, it goes, starts right here and you think you're feeling good and then it goes up to here, level 400. And I said, so yeah, I think I'm dying. And, and they're looking at it, just charts and typing, and then they come back and say, sir, there's nothing wrong with your heart. 
but I feel like something's going on with Mark. There's nothing wrong with you. So we suggest that you go see a counselor to help you because you're having a panic attack. I'd heard about people having panic attacks and I thought, how lame. Why would anybody have a, a panic attack? I got Jesus, why should I be panicking? <laughs> and I've told you guys the story just through some beginning to take charge over the stress in my life. What was I doing? I started dying to some feelings that felt real. And I sometimes, when you start doing that, you feel like you're dying. There's some of you that's dying to an, a love affair, to an affair. Feels like you're dying. Are you dying to some addiction? I feel like I'm dying. You are. But there is a life that leads to death, and there is a death that leads to life. So Paul says, Die to these things because these are from your former life. Somebody here is saying, I can't say no to this. No, you can't by yourself, but with the power of Jesus Christ and looking ahead to where you're going, you can say no. And what will happen is this new life will begin to spring up in you. When I was in my 30s, I had this love of privacy, and, and I was so, I was like, I don't want people to know about me, because I, I love my private life, and here's the thing, when people find out about how boring my life is, and how much of an ordinary guy I am, then all the mystique is gone. And God has a sense of humor, so he says, I'm gonna have you die to that because I see something else in you. And I made a decision because I felt the call of God on my life to teach the Bible, and now I'm up here spilling my whole life on YouTube. But I love it because God knew something I didn't know. He could see somebody in me that needed to come out. There's some of you that say, I don't, you know, I can't say no to that because I'll die to that. But guess what? The new you is worth going for in Jesus' name. Seek and keep on seeking. It's the present tense verb here in chapter 3, verse one and two, seek the things that are above. It's not just one time, and then set your minds on things above. You guys remember the old slogan when the chicken rotisserie came out, and what did he say? Set it and forget it. That might work with chicken, it doesn't work with your mind. You can't set it and forget it. You gotta keep on setting it. You gotta keep on resetting it. You gotta keep reorienting your life around the, the new person that you are in Christ. Why should I do this? Because there is a future glory that is yet to be revealed. Verse four, my life is hidden with Christ, but when Christ appears, then I will appear. So, I've got to understand that where I am now is not where I'm going, and where I'm going is worth the journey, worth the things that I have to give up, worth the things that I say no to. 
because where I'm going is better than where I am. Remember those road trips? I don't know if you guys had any of these where you go, you know, from this part of the country to that part of the country. I used to do that when I was a kid. Mom, would, mom and dad would pile us in the truck camper and we'd take off to Disney World. You know, the thing is with kids that when you're going on one of those trips, that somewhere inevitably you got to stop at Jellystone or, or this campground or that campground or some budget motel because you got to save all the money for when you get where you're going. And you stop at the budget motel and they have a pool. And so the kids jump in the pool and you order pizza. And it's pizza and a pool. And the kids go, this is awesome. And about eight o'clock, you say, all right, kids, you got to get out because we got to get ready for tomorrow. And then the crying starts and the tantrum starts. I don't want to get out of the pool. I don't want to go to Disneyland. I don't want to go here. I want to stay here. You want to stay at Motel 6 with the pool and the pizza. All right, well, I'll see if I can arrange that. Oh, they, but they're saying, and mom and dad are saying, but we're going to go see Mickey. We're going to see Donald and all of his friends. And there's this water park that is off the chain. I don't want to go. I don't want to go to the water park. I just want to stay with pizza and pool. Get out of the pool. Because we're going somewhere. But that's kind of the way we are. Because when we talk about eternity, we talk about life with Christ, and we talk about who we're going to see face to face. We're not going to see Mickey. We're not going to see Donald. We're going to see the one that John the Revelator, his best friend, when he saw him in his glory, in Revelation chapter one, he fell down as dead this burnished bronze face, eyes flaming fire, brilliant white garments, and a love that oozes from him so strong that it melted John to the ground. That's who we're going to see. So don't be encumbered by this temporary life. Where we're going is so much better than pizza in a pool at a budget motel. Don't believe the press. Don't believe the lines that say, you can have your best life now. No, you can't. Don't believe the billboards that appeal to your temporary desires. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When he shall come with trumpet sound, Oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. That's it. So, yeah, you put to death some things, but it's worth it. It can't compare to the glories that are yet to come. When Jesus says, like in Matthew 13, 43, then the righteous will shine like the stars, like the sun, and the kingdom of their father. So what does this look like in real life? What do you mean 
reorientation. How do you beat this jet lag? You don't let the old man in. You don't let the old woman in. That's who I used to be. I'm a different person now. Yeah, sometimes I feel like doing the old stuff, but he can't come in the door. So it looks like it looks like a school teacher, mom, who, who she's been telling kids what to do all day and rallying them around and quit that and don't do that and stop that. And then she goes home, pulls in the driveway. She reorients her life so that she comes in the door. She doesn't treat her husband like one of the school kids or her kids like one of the school kids. It's my family here to serve, here to love and be loved. Or it's like a guy who's on his way to work and he's in traffic and it's stop and go and he's starting to get, that stuff is boiling up in him. It's like, you see somebody on their phone, weaving, bob and weave, you're getting ticked off, reorient. I set my mind on things. Well, what does that look like? It looks like this. He starts saying, thank you, Lord. I've got this car. Thank you, Lord. I've got a job. Thank you, Lord. I still got my right mind. Thank you, Lord. I've got a decent paycheck coming in. Thank you, Lord, I get to give. Thank you, Lord, I get to serve. Thank you, Lord, for my family. What happens? Have you ever tried that? Come on, have you ever tried that? Something changes. You can't stay mad. How do you know, Sean? Because I've been there. You start thanking God. You start worshiping. Not for a minute was I forsaken. Not for a minute. So I'm, what am I doing? I'm not letting the old man in making a decision. Let's make a decision today, church. Paul is saying, put to death those things. Your, your new life is hidden with Christ and God, but it's gonna be revealed for everything that it is. And it's gonna be off the chain. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that so many of my friends that they have chosen new life in Christ and we've been buried with Christ and we've been raised with Christ. And our new life, as I look around the room, our new life is still hidden in, in Christ. There's some aspects about it that we don't see yet, but we believe by faith that we will see. So God, I, I pray that you help us to live like Jesus is king and eternity is long. Sometimes we get that the other way around, like we're king and queen. And life is long, but it's short compared to eternity. So I pray that you help us to love, to serve, to give, to offer our lives now because we're entering into this new kingdom of love that you called us into, to die to those things that are of our former life. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. You can check out thecrosspoint.com for more resources like this.